you want a broad-based, diversified economy with three or four major sectors that provide employment. You don't want to simply be auto manufacturing. Uh, you, you want to have like a healthcare segment, a tech segment, a manufacturing segment, maybe a financial segment, because again, it goes back to diversification. When you have a broad base economic base, again, you could ride out the ups and downs. Hey guys, thank you for joining in. Uh, we have an amazing, amazing uh, guest today, Arndt Sinadella. Uh, he, I mean, I, I, I read his bio and he is, we can spend days uh, talking about all the stuff that he's done in, in, in 44 years of real estate investing career. We were just talking about it before we started the, uh, the episode, we started recording. But I'm going to start differently this time because you have so much experience that I, I don't want to go through all your bio. I'm going to start where you are right now. Okay. And I'm going to read it uh, uh, directly from your, from your bio. So this is what... But you, you recently changed your strategy and uh, you started to transition your active real estate portfolio into multifamily investments, both as LP and GP. And currently, uh, you have seven multifamily passive LP investments totaling over 1,100 units, and you're also a GP on a 167 unit apartment in Augusta, Georgia, in a 93 unit apartment portfolio in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, you're also with uh, Sparks in, Spark Investment Group, and uh, that company has been formed to assist busy professionals and real estate investors diversify their investment capital into large multifamily properties, providing higher cash flow and less day-to-day -day management responsibilities. So, Arn, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm very excited to have you, and if you could please... Um, Take over, man. Give us a little bit of, of your background because it's, it's, it's so extensive. I mean, you've done everything from fix and flips, 1031 exchanges, condo conversions, you name it. So please. Well, well, thank you and uh, appreciate you providing me the opportunity to be on your show. It's great to meet you and hopefully our discussion will help your listeners, you know, think about their investment strategies, how they can get better. Hopefully our discussion will help them understand how to become better investors and zero in on what they want to do. So happy to be here and happy to chat. So, yep, uh, I got into the real estate business at the age of 22. Uh, in Silicon Valley, I had the good fortune of selling real estate in Menlo Park in Palo Alto, uh, California on the San Francisco Peninsula. Uh, longtime single family investor, like probably many of your listeners, we buy a few rental houses, maybe a duplex, a fourplex, you accumulate a little portfolio. And uh, about six years ago, my longtime girlfriend and I moved to Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, we love it here. It's a great town. And really about a year ago, the light bulb kind of went off in my head. I was talking to a young investor friend here in Greenville who is a multifamily syndicator. And we started a discussion about multifamily. It really started 
because he called me and goes, hey, Arne, what do you think COVID's going to do with rent collection? This was the middle of March, middle of March 2020. And I go, Mario, I don't know. Talk to me April 5th, meaning I wanted to see how the April rents came in. And then I'll tell you what COVID is doing. So anyway, uh, we had a long discussion and he sent me a podcast from a noted Bay Area syndicator who's a very smart guy. And the light bulb kind of went off. And so I kind of immersed myself in education, primarily through podcasts like yours, uh, but also boot camps and online education and so forth. And the multifamily idea made a lot of sense to me. I had accumulated this single family rental portfolio. It did great. Uh, good capital appreciation, good equity growth. But now that I'm older, I think my focus is going to greater cash flow. And also, I probably don't want the day-to-day -day responsibilities of managing rental portfolio. So in 2020, I sold four or five of my single-family rentals, made numerous passive investments, kind of learned the business from that uh, aspect. Uh, and as you mentioned, I've now been co-GP on two deals. Uh, and I'm actually in the middle of my first lead sponsor deal here in Greenville, South Carolina. So I've kind of gone full cycle and uh, the transition has been very interesting and fun for me, learning kind of a new asset class. Uh, and it just confirmed to me kind of the wisdom to move into multifamily. And we can certainly discuss some more of those reasons, but basically I've made this big shift into multifamily. I'm committed to do it and I'm going to continue to educate myself and kind of grow my portfolio that way. That's awesome. So talk to, talk to us about uh, Sparks Investment Group. Um, what is your role there? Because it says right here that you assist uh, basic professionals um, and real estate investors diversify their investment capital. Uh, so can you tell us more a little bit about it? Sure. So, so Spark Investment Group is uh, number one, an educational platform. Uh, so I have a lot of content on my website. I do YouTube videos have a lot of blog posts, I'm active on social media. So I think uh, everybody understands real estate. Many people own a home. They understand about renting a home. Many people do it. But when it gets to multifamily real estate, larger commercial assets, um, that's not as familiar to as many people as the single family houses. I mean, everybody understands single family houses and so forth. So I think the first step with Spark Investment Group is to provide an educational platform where I help educate people about multifamily syndications, how they work, the rationale behind them, the way to consider them or the reason to consider them to be part of your portfolio. So uh, 
I'm a strong believer in diversification. So uh, I believe people should have some real estate investments, both single family and multifamily. I believe people should have investments in the stock market and mutual funds, because as we've seen in the last year, strange stuff can happen and stuff can come out of nowhere and throw things for, you know, turn over the apple cart, so to speak. And so I think when you're diversified, you can ride out kind of those ups and downs. Um, so start with education. And then I spend a lot of time evaluating markets, syndication oper operators and opportunities. And so I facilitate bringing these opportunities to people who want to invest in real estate, but maybe just don't have the time or the knowledge to do it themselves, uh, and therefore would prefer to kind of do a passive investment in a syndication. So I help people place capital in syndication opportunities that I evaluate based on my 40 plus years of experience in addition, I have a third party underwriter that I have underwrite all the potential opportunities that I present, or I don't present them until they've been vetted. Uh, so I have a third party underwriter that goes through all the numbers too, along with me to kind of sort through and, and evaluate what are the better investments to present to, to my Spark clients. That's awesome. So, for for the uh, for the investors out there that uh, they have you know W two, they're professionals, and they also have their their portfolio, whether it's multifamily or, or single residential homes. Um, how does that transition looks like, or what what is the, the the mindset or the shift that they need to be ready for when they go from um, managing their own portfolio, right? They, they want to have that control. So now it's like, okay, let me, let me, let's say, let's sell everything. And now let me put it to this so people can control it. And I just enjoy the, uh, the fruit of that investment. Uh, I, that's a great question. And um, trust me, I've been accused of having control issues in my life too. So I understand exactly where your question's coming from. And so throughout my career, I've generally self-managed all of my rental properties that were in my geographic location. And I also invested elsewhere in the country, uh, most notably Texas for many years, very successfully. And so those I turned over to property managers. So I totally understand the attraction of having control and kind of being involved in every particular aspect. I guess what I would say is I could be a great real estate salesperson. I could be a great doctor. I could be a wonderful civil engineer, computer engineer, electrical engineer, but I might not be the best property manager. So there is a reason for specialization of labor. And so I believe people who manage property 
full-time, 24-7, and who have staff and systems set up can generally do it a little better than your typical sole operator, mom and pop operator. So uh, I believe professional property management generally works out better. Secondly, I think people, life today is super busy, right? Between your job, your family, your community, your church, whatever activities fill your day, most people live pretty hectic lives, right? You're taking the kids to soccer, you're taking them to dance, you're doing this, you're working 50 hours a week. So how many hours in the day do you have? How many hours in the week do you do you have? And so wouldn't you rather spend those couple extra hours you're maybe managing your own property with your family and friends or assisting others in the community. So I think there's a time freedom that comes from having somebody else handle the houses of being a property manager, landlord, and so forth. And I can tell you over the past couple of years as I've kind of slowly let go of control. Um, I like it. My property manager sends me a check. He sends me a statement. I don't get any calls. Uh, and yes, the property manager gets compensated and that affects your net income. But how much is your time worth to you? And I would submit what it costs for property management, you get back so much more by having those extra hours in your day or week to really do what you like and not deal with some of the more aggravating aspects of owning rental property. Mm -hmm. No, I, I'm with you. And, and we have we have that experience where we invest out of state. Um, I mean, many of our listeners know that we're, my brother and I are in different states and we invest in Ohio. And I mean, and my brother had a property of his own uh, close uh, by when he was in Colorado, but he always hired a, a professional property manager because like you just said, it's, it becomes a full-time job. And now you're working your, your W-2 and then you go home and you have to deal with the, with the emails, with the phone calls, maintenance, all that stuff. And it takes a lot of, a lot of, uh, of yourself. And it's no longer an investment anymore. It becomes another hustle. Where, 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 where you receive, you're getting that check every month, but you also don't have the time to enjoy that, uh, that, that money. Yeah, and, and the only, and uh, I don't have a lot of tenant nightmare stories. Generally, I've been pretty good, uh, and I take my landlording responsibly. The, the way I figure it, people pay good rent to me, yep. and so I have a legal and moral responsibility to provide safe housing to these people. They work hard. They deserve to have a comfortable place to live where everything works. Uh, so I've generally had a great experience with my tenants uh, here in Greenville. Many of them dropped the rent off at my house and put it under the mat. But I would say almost invariably, just about when you're ready to go out on vacation and you're headed out or you're driving to the airport, you get that call, my toilet's leaking or the hot water heater blew. 
And it's not the end of the world, but it just kind of takes you out of that Zen moment while you're getting yeah. ready to go on vacation. So yeah. invariably, when I go out of town, stuff happens. <laughs> Definitely. Now, let's talk. Uh, no, and, and I agree with you. I mean, we get we do get those phone calls from the from the property manager sometimes where it's like, hey, uh, a boiler went out. We need to buy it. And it's just a matter of making that decision. Go ahead and do it. I mean, you have to do it. But it's just it's just that it's like I, I don't have to do the job. It's just making the decision, agree, uh, um, agreeing or, or telling the property manager, yeah, go ahead, give me the green light, and that's pretty much it. So you keep exactly. you keep you keep your flow. Where it's like okay, it's happening, but I don't have to deal with it. That's right. Simple. You don't have to wait for the contractor to show up or hope he doesn't or you know all of that. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. Now let's talk on the uh, let's let's shift on the shift. Um, that you're doing right now, which is becoming more of a passive investor, right? Uh, you're now an LP and GP on several investments. Um, is that what you're heading to converting all your investments to, to passively or you still manage some of the properties? Uh, I've turned over all my single family two to four unit properties to a property manager. Uh, and I made quite a few passive investments as an LP. Um, and, and I really like the portfolio I've created. Uh, I have about an equal distribution of class A, class B, and class C properties. Again, diversification. I've got some of those new, really fancy buildings. Great. And then I've got some solid workforce housing, blue collar, affordable housing. I love that. Uh, much of it's in the Southeast and the Carolinas and Georgia, which I think is a great market. But I also have investments in Boise, Idaho and Colorado Springs, which are also great markets. So I think as a passive investor, it's easy to create a diversified portfolio, one by geography, but also by asset class. Um, where I'm at now, I'm more focused on the GP side of the business, uh, being in part of the general partner in, in larger apartment syndications, uh, not so much from the operational point of view or asset management, my partner Brian handles that, but more for locating the properties, negotiating the deals, evaluating the, 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 the asset, working with the financing, raising the capital, putting the whole thing together. And that's what I kind of do. And Brian is more the asset manager, property manager, and he handles that part of it, uh, which frankly, I'm not as good at and I don't enjoy as much. I more kind of enjoy the wheeling and dealing and the negotiating. And he just loves making the property operate and institute systems and, and get things humming. And that's what you need to do as a property manager, as an asset manager. You need to have systems, you need to have procedures, and then it becomes repeatable. Um, so that's kind of where I'm looking to take my business. Um, uh, life always unfolds and you kind of got to go with the flow too. So uh, yeah. 
who knows what the world will be like in five years? I mean, I don't think anybody knows. It may be completely different than what we think, but my investing approach has always been get the best available information and data that you got now that's available to you now. Make your best decision now. If the investment makes sense and you have good reasons to believe in it and you have reasons for optimism about that area's uh, future, about the property's future, then you make the investment and then kind of life unfolds and you just have to adjust to economic market interest rate conditions. And that's actually part of the fun is having to adjust to changing circumstances and trying to make the best decisions for yourself and for your investors. Exactly. For um, you, are one of, and I mentioned it before, you're one of the most experienced in, in, in regards to the, uh, the, the uh, amount of years that you've been doing real estate and also uh, the most diversified, I think, as you mentioned, you do all assets, all six for these probably. Um, but uh, what's the importance so a lot of people that are that are investors, right? Usually they do the stocks and they they talk about the diversification in other in, in other type of investment assets, not mentioning real estate. But what's the importance of diversifying uh, your your portfolio into different assets, uh, A, B, and Cs? Uh, uh, great question, and um, I think with diversification. Um, there's some security because when events happen and they could be good or bad, they don't affect each asset class in the same way. So for example, in COVID, I think most observers uh, are aware many people have kind of moved out of the big, big cities. So if you had a fancy class A building downtown in some major center, uh, you probably had a fairly soft rental market. Now I'm not saying the big Apple's dead or Los Angeles is dead. People will come back to the big cities, there's no doubt. But over the last year, I think you've seen a net migration out of the big cities. So some of those class A properties, downtown locations, maybe haven't done as well as some of the more class B suburban locations. And it, it, it's been interesting, I would say COVID generally has hurt lower income Americans more than it has higher income Americans. And so there's maybe been a little bit more of a weakness in the class C with collection issues, uh, but with the government support and programs and rental assistance and landlords working with tenants, class C is also held up fairly well. Um, so different economic situations will affect different asset classes. And also if you're diversified geography, for example, if you were in a, uh, a community where cruise lines, for example, were the major part of the economic might, those cities have probably been hurt a little bit more than a city where tech is the, the, big, the big dog economically. So I think diversification 
just allows you to ride out some of these hits where if you're just located in one type of asset, one location, if something bad happens to that asset or location, you're going to be hurt significantly. Definitely, definitely. I agree with you. So um, again, you help investors uh, with education uh, and, and also uh, you also raise money for your company and for, for other investments. Uh, what type of what type of uh, not assets? What are you, what is your criteria for investment? What is it that you're looking for? What type of markets? Okay, good question. Um, I would say I'm looking for markets where populations growing and jobs are growing. Uh, where the jobs are going, people will follow, and so. Uh, it's not rocket science. If you own real estate and you provide housing, um, growing population is going to be positive for people who provide housing. So I think number one, kind of growth markets, population and job growth. Then the other thing would be you want a broad-based diversified economy with three or four major sectors that provide employment. You don't wanna simply be auto manufacturing. Uh, you you wanna have like a healthcare segment, a tech segment, a manufacturing segment, maybe a financial segment, because again, it goes back to diversification. When you have a broad base economic base, again, you could ride out the ups and downs. So. Uh, I like to invest in growth markets that have diversified economies with two or three major different economic sectors that provide employment. And then I think affordability is an issue. Um, as you know, as your listener know, price of real estate continues to go up. Single family homes through COVID, the value's gone up. Multifamily, the values continue to go up. And so uh, I like investing in a little bit more affordable markets. Um, I, I kind of like that bread and butter type property that the average person can kind of afford because you have greater demand in that area. The other thing I would say is if you go around your community, any of your listeners, if they're building new apartments, they're probably not gonna be affordable housing, okay? They're gonna be the fancy class A, 3,000 a month deal, and that's great. So I think at the high end, you're gonna have more competition where at the affordable, uh, level rent and property, they're just not building it. So I think that's a good place to be. Um, but you're going to have less competition and you're always going to have tenant demand for affordable housing. Yeah, I would depart with the uh, with the fact that you said less competition, but I think it's a different type of competition. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, but there's, there's, there's a different type of competition where it's not, you're not competing against you know, uh, uh, agencies and, and, and multi-million dollar companies that are investing in this luxury asset apartments. Yeah. Yes, as an investor, yes. So I was kind of talking 
from a tenant perspective, but also, but yes, as an investor, uh, you don't, your hedge fund is going to go for the $50 million apartment building. So if you're kind of average people like us and we work hard and we do well, and hopefully we, we have financial security, uh, average folks, they need to go after the little bit smaller asset. You're not going to be able to compete against a hedge fund or an insurance company, uh, partially because they're okay accepting a little bit lower return, right? They're more just give me a baseline return uh, where I think folks like you and I, we need a little bit higher return so we can build our wealth and achieve financial security. Exactly. Uh, now, uh, one of my last questions, um, what type of investors, what type of, uh, are you trying to attract for, for the company? Um, another good question. Um, it's interesting. Um, I'm 66 and I, when I started Spark about a year ago, my thought was many of my clients and investors would be similar to me, similar to my age and, and so forth. And actually what I have found is most of my investors are more kind of mid thirties to mid forties kind of people who are starting their professional careers. They're having some success. They're starting families. They're having children. Um, they're on the ump, the up ramp of their career. Uh, there may not, they're probably, let's call it mid career. They've achieved some success. They've got manager positions. They're doing well. Of course, the demands on their time increase. And of course, as family comes, more demands on your time. And they instinctively know real estate's a good place to invest and it's a good place long-term to invest. Uh, and they're making pretty good money. They have their 401k. Many people use self-directed IRAs to invest in real estate. They have their 401k, they have their stock purchase plan, uh, but real estate's a little more foreign to them. And so I think they really like the idea of being able to invest some capital in relatively secure assets. Uh, multifamily values aren't going to jump up and down 20, 30% every other day. And I think they like kind of the steady income they receive, maybe six, seven, eight percent, plus some appreciation on the back end. And so I think real estate's particularly suited for stability, but also cash generation and the ultimate returns are still pretty good. And so they like the idea of investing for five or seven years. And many of them like to do about one a year. They'll do one a year, they'll buy one the next. And if you do that for four or five years and these investments start rolling over, you're starting to accumulate a pretty nice nest egg and you just keep reinvesting that money. 
And in 10, 15 years, they can see they've really made some progress. And then it gives them the option to decide what they want to do with the rest of their lives. They enjoy work, but it's great to work because you enjoy it, not because you have to. And so you now have the freedom to kind of, what do I want to do? Or, well, I'm happy doing this. I don't really need the promotion. I'm set. I'm happy here and, and do that. So I found it's more kind of mid-career mid professionals, say 40 plus or minus five years who are most of my investors. Awesome. So for your syndication, it's safe to say that it, it, they're, they're available for credited and non-credited investors? Yes. So okay. most, most of the ones I have been involved in are so-called 506B, mm -hmm. uh, which are available to accredited investors and also sophisticated investors. The, things, the, the thing to note for your listeners is the 506B offerings are not advertised. They're not going to be posted on Facebook. Uh, you need to have a prior relationship with a sponsor. And people ask, well, how do you do that? Well, you listen to podcasts like that and you develop relationships with folks like you and me. Uh, and so you get to know people in the space, have a personal relationship with them, talk openly about your financial goals, your financial situation, and evaluate, are these the proper investments for you? Because they're not proper for everyone. You know, they're long-term investments. You need to be okay putting this money to work for you, knowing you're not going to need it next month to fix the car, right? Or whatever it happens to be. Um, so yeah, that's that's what you do. So uh, reach out, make contact, and then you'll be able to be receive these 506B offerings uh, because a lot of people are not accredited. It's not that they're not doing well. It's just simply they're not quite at that level yet of either income or net worth to qualify. That's awesome. And your answer takes us to the last question uh, right there. Where can people connect, uh, con uh, contact you and find you so they can build that relationship? They can start talking to you and probably investing well, in some of your investments. Sure. Well, thank you. So the, uh, the name of the company is Spark Investment Group. Uh, my website is investwithspark.com. I can be reached at email at arn, A-R-N, at investwithspark.com. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, my cell phone, which I've kept from my California days, is 650-575-6114. Give me a call. Always happy to talk real estate. And uh, uh, I, well, I love uh, talking real estate. Real estate investing has done very well for me, and it's helped create a secure life. And um, I'd like to see other people kind of have the same level of financial security uh, and income to kind of uh, live the life they want and uh, enjoy life fully. So that's what I try to do. That's something that we share with you. We also like to to spread the word and help people uh, 
be able to see what real estate investor is, has been doing for us and for other people. So that's an amazing uh, advice. Yeah, and it. Uh, I went to work for my father in the real estate business when I got out of grad school, and I learned by watching him. And uh, I was fortunate to have him as a mentor. And uh, so obviously he taught me a lot and I'm just trying to, you know, reciprocate and, and help other people do the same. Yeah. Awesome, Arn. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's been a great uh, time talking to you. Uh, you have a wealth of experience. So for the listeners and the viewers out there, please reach out. Um, 44 years of experience. I mean, you can't, you can't get a, a better, <laughs> a, a better and more, more experienced person in, in real estate than Lauren. He's done it, it just all. means like I'm said. old. That's all. It just means I'm old German. So <laughs> anyway, you, know. Look at, you know, you don't look your age at all, man. You look at <laughs> your energy is like the one of a 30 year old. So that's well, great. Well, thank you. So, yes. And, and, and that's what, that's what real estate does to you. It, it seriously, it puts you at another level where, um, I don't know, I tell people this, that you choose your stress. And because you choose your stress, you live a more happy life. I don't as, know how, yeah. And I think as property owners and investors, we take pride in our properties. And we take pride in making something that's been run down and neglected and making it nice and making it a great place for people to live. So I love to create kind of new and better and functional and you're adding to the community. You're doing well by yourself, but you're helping the community. You're helping others. And the other thing, of course, is it's a people business. And at the end of the day, that's what fills your tank, right? It's the relationships you build. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we will continue to build our relationship and hopefully we can partner together at some point and, you know, happy to help you in any way I can. And I know you do the same. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. I appreciate yeah. it. So uh, for our listeners out there, please uh, give us some love, some, uh, uh, some five-star reviews, some comments. And until then, peace out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.